We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 464 of the Barcelona Podcast brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Jay Hilton. He's Levon, a.k.a. Barcelon. And I got to start this listener question show with one big question. Are you ready, Levon? Yeah, man. Bring it on. What's up, everybody? Yeah. So fortunately or unfortunately, I'm not sure what you want to call it. Since Tuesday's match and the podcast that we recorded with Rafa on Thursday night, there hasn't really been any big news, breaking news. And I think in Barcelona world, that's not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> Sometimes no news is a good thing for at least a few days. Again, with the next match coming on Sunday against Espanyol for what should be Barcelona winning the Liga title, which we'll talk about later. But first, we kind of have to retread a bit, of, a little bit about what we already talked about on Thursday, and that is Messi and Alemani right at the start. And last time I did Alemani to Messi and ended the show with Messi. This time we're going to start with Messi and go from there because that is obviously where the most questions we had in totality were. All right, let's do it. This is starting the Messi questions from Minor. Some say yes, others say no. If no obstacles were in the way, Levon, do you want Messi back? And what role do you see him back at FC Barcelona? What does it mean if no obstacles are in the way? As in, as if La Liga just says no straight up and it's not up to Barcelona at all and Saudi Arabia just comes in because Barcelona is none of the limit. That's what I would assume the obstacles mean. Emotionally, yes. I want Messi back. For the project, I also think it is fine uh, as long as people don't don't get their hopes up and think that we'll go far in Europe or anything. Financially, this is the big unknown, right? Because we don't know what sacrifices we would make to get Messi back, nor do we really know what benefits there are financially that compensate for making those sacrifices. So, for example, personally, I would not want to sell Ansu to get Messi back because even though Ansu had a terrible year, there is still a chance that Ansu becomes a generational player for us and bangs in goals for the next six, seven, eight seasons. Can I add that, that Ansu real quick because we didn't have a question about him? It seems like any person that I speak to with any bit of sense offline about Ansu Fati says the exact same things, that if a 70 million euro bid comes in, everybody's understandable, but nobody wants Ansu gone. However, it seems like sport and at least Twitter.com and its current iterations, you'll see a lot more of sell Ansu, he's washed up, he's done. But I, I just want to reiterate that I keep hearing anybody with any sense says the same thing, that he's 20 years old, 
there's still a year or two of failure to give up on a talent like that, who you know has had just, again, a natural ability to strike the ball and put the ball in the back of the net. Like those, those things are not taught. He still has that. We just have to find that player again. And I'm, yeah, I don't think anyone's any sense wants to give up on Ansu. But there is a number, as we've said before, there is a number where you say no. And I think this, to, to go back to the Messi thing, just to ask my own question for you, because you've kind of answered all of Chad and Dinesh's questions as well about Messi. But to add to that, Messi, what are the numbers for Messi for you? Like 10 to 13 million a year is what we've heard would be his, his wages. And obviously it would be, I mean, it would have to be a free transfer because he's a free agent. So you don't want, you have to worry about anything about that. But is there a certain number in wages per week or, or overall wages for the year where you say, no, that compromises the financial plan and in theory financially stagnates the club from, from using even Messi to transition to a new era? Because still, whether or not Messi's here, Barca's still heading into a new era with new stars in a year or two beyond Messi. You're, you're asking me that question as if I would know. Nobody knows. How, yeah. how can I know what, what number or what wages will make it so that everything everything is stable. Um, Would you be comfortable if he's on Lewandowski's wages? Like, I I know, again, I guess it doesn't matter because you're right. The revenue and what the new wage limit is set at is one thing. But yeah, I mean, like where, I guess a better question would be, where should he fit in the salary structure? Like where would be a comfortable spot for him? Like, for example, for Busquets, if Busquets renews, Busquets should be in the bottom third of the wages simply because of his age and what that contract would be. Right. And so I guess the, the question for Messi would be, should he be a top three earner? Should he be a top five earner or where, you know, where should he be in the wage structure? Yeah, that's such a complicated question. I think the, the more pertinent question is uh, who, do, who do we sell or which players do we give up to, to make it possible for Messi to return? And from there, as long as we don't give up Araujo, as long as we don't give up Gavi, yeah. as long as we don't give up uh, even, even Alejandro Balde or Ansu, and those are just the players who are talked about uh, because, you know, we don't want Frankie or, or Pedri uh, to go either. As long as they don't give up, like, the the core of our future, then you can make the argument, if he, if he comes on a two-year contract, who cares what his wages are? Because those wages will come off the book again after two years. And during the two years that he is here, the economical benefits to the club will be huge. Again, you're asking me, but I I do not know, I do not know, yeah. so I cannot I cannot say hey he should be here in the wage structure because a lot of people always talk about yeah when Messi comes back the club will make 250 million uh, euros extra. Well, really? How? We don't know. I, I've heard it much week. I think they're going to just make sure the ticket prices are nine times what they normally are. I think that would be the way to to, to get that done. I, I know I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not extending my uh, I'm freezing my season ticket next season. Unfortunately, because they're raising the prices, and also because I'm traveling, so I would miss the first couple of months of the of the season and and some other things that are going on. So I'm actually not going next season. Yeah, I mean, which again makes sense. What is it, thirty five thousand or thirty eight in total at most week? Yeah, I heard forty nine thousand, but forty nine. Okay, uh, m- m- ten thousand don't have full visibility. Apparently, yep. there are even seats with twenty twenty percent visibility. Like okay. something crazy like that. So Yes, that's why I saw 38,000. Okay, next one from Romy. How long would you guess it would be until Barca became financially stable? By that, I mean able to register their players without issue and having a relatively normal amount to spend on improving the squad every season. Not crazy Bartomeu or EPL spending more like or par or slightly below Madrid. Basically, how long until I don't have to be worried every transfer window, 2015, 2016, later? My guess would be 
best estimate would be the 25-26 season would be the answer. Because as we just said, we, we just talked about this, 24-25 should be the return to the renovated camp. No. So I think by 25-26, I think the books should all be balanced. And I'd say Barca by that time would also have like 80 mil or so to spend minimum in terms of bringing revenue. However, again, when we say we don't know, I, La Liga and their ability to bring in capital as a, as a total leak and how even broadcast rights and things change because there is such a trickle down effect in, in, in global media where the EPL deal, in theory, you would have thought that what is the phrase that the, the rising tide rises all boats or you get the idea. So the idea would be that we'd raise all of those kind of contracts, but no, like it's now based on the streaming service or if there are pivots to the ways in which your product is distributed. So even the next two years, I mean, look at the way that Liga, if they were smart, should have some kind of referendum on the financial benefits. And by that, I mean the lack thereof of the CVC deal, which is not done well in the same way that the Bundesliga right now is, is hardlining that same offer of 50 million euros per club that's being offered to them through their own CVC deal. And the Bundesliga and the fans are obviously rejecting that, but they're looking at their sel- themselves and they're trailing financially, they're trailing La Liga and they're trailing Serie A as well. So, I mean, I, I think the path forward for the Bundesliga and the Liga and Serie A is continuing to get creative and to continue to have referendums on, on how they uh, build their, build their wage limits and build their, their financial plans for their clubs and what they allow, what they don't allow. And, and the kind of, again, revenue that they themselves are bringing in as a league in totality. I think those factors are just as important as the renovated camp. No, to me in the next year or two or three, because Barca could quote unquote, do everything right financially, individually to meet all the demands of the Liga. And then all of a sudden they realize that, oh, La Liga is the one who, I mean, it just isn't bringing in any revenue as a total product. And that would, I mean, that would in theory put Barcelona behind the, the eight ball to not say register. I mean, those certain things, right? Because they would be able to register at that point with the Liga, but they ne- wouldn't necessarily be having a ton of money to spend because they wouldn't be able to splash all this cash. Because again, in, in theory, at that point, no Spanish club would, would, would do so. I, I hope you can take my my splattering of words and turn it into three or four sentences, Levan. That would be appreciated. I mean, La, La, La Liga's income is only part of our income, right? And not and not the biggest part. There's also TV TV rights from European competitions. Yeah. There's uh, match revenue. There, there's the sponsors, merchandising revenue and whatnot. What we need is for the club to be well run. No, nobody ever talks about Bayern Munich not spending insane amounts on salaries but nobody ever talks about you know how Bayern Munich is not an not an elite club either why because yeah they, they're a wealthy club but nowhere near Paris Saint-Germain or Premier League or even Barcelona of five or ten years ago but they're just incredibly well run so that that should be our aim now when we will be financially stable god I'm, I'm, I'm so afraid because the stadium is going to cost so much money and this club will be in debt for the next 50, 60 years. There are so many, so many variables that can seriously mess up our club. So, I mean, what, what happens if, you know, five years from now, there's another pandemic and we go without two years of, of stadium revenue? Is Goldman Sachs going to own our club at that point? Who knows, right? So... As far as when when we can sign players normally, here also, I don't know, hopefully two, three summers from now, but we'll see. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Speaking of well-run, good transition to the next question. So we got two alimony questions. David, are we going to get some sort of fee? For, well, a third question would be, is Dan ever going to learn how to say his name? Well, fortunately, with him going to Aston Villa, <laughs> I don't say his name anymore correctly. So we'll, we'll just chalk that up to a three-year L for me. But anyway, David said, are we going to get some sort of fee for alimony before leaving it with his contract up? Shouldn't Aston Villa have to pay him out of his contract? Easy answer to that one. To my understanding, Levon, it was a, basically a gentleman's agreement that if he had a deal that was bigger, that would take him somewhere else, then he was allowed to negotiate that deal without much of a buyout. That, that was my understanding to that. It's my understanding that his contract ends on June 30th anyway. So, Okay. Yeah. And the, the, the Y is, a, is like the Y of Young, Alamany. Or it's even like last, like the Enya in Espanol, Alamany. Alamany, yeah. Well, we'll have, we'll have, so, I'll have so, people know that. I'm, 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 I'm saying this mostly for the listeners. You're a lost cause already. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. We have practiced this off air, not today, like in years past. And anyway, Buddy is going to finally put me out of my misery with this one. Two part question. From a value standpoint, how big is his loss in your opinion? How founded are the other allegations about the real reasons, like what's being circulated, that Laporte is getting influenced by the players' agents, like Mendez? When is he planning the club's transfers and how is that timeline going to work? I answered this a bit on Thursday show, but yeah, Levon. So after after the match, I went and I had a had a, a beer with Adam uh, Adam Rivera, one of our listeners, and Alex Trucker and Tom Tom Sanderson, I think his name is. 
and we were talking about this also. I think what, what bothers me most is that he leaves like in the middle of the summer. As far as how important he is, I think he's an incredibly good negotiator. And, you know, the value of that cannot be underestimated. I'll give you an example. Bartomeu was a ridiculously bad negotiator and just gave out insane contracts to everybody. He was a soggy noodle. Um, yeah. He was. <laughs> and and Alemania is, is pretty much the opposite. So he's a really good negotiator. We're going to lose that. He has incredibly solid understanding of the financial mess of our club, of La Liga Fair Play. He has uh, excellent relationships in La Liga that that we will lose. What is more important than ever is that Jordi Cruyff stays because they have worked closely together. So everything that we are now losing with Alemany, if we also lose Jordi Cruyff, it makes that that much worse, right? You don't want to put Deco there now because what is Deco going to understand of, of all of this fair play mess? Nobody understands it. Even good, even good journalists who have investigated the La Liga fair play rules are still not really able to explain this stuff well to us. Yeah, I mean, to reiterate what I said last week, that, I mean, imagine you're in these rooms having these negotiations, having these negotiations, including Dembele's contract extension and things like that. All these contract extensions, the Gabi one, the Araujo, now those are already agreed upon, but take the ones that are not yet agreed upon, again, like Dembele's, and you're basically starting from scratch if you lose both Alemania and Cruyff, and the same thing with the Liga, where even if it's confusing and, he's, and they're jumping through hoops, you it's very difficult to begin those processes early. And what the trickle down effect of that is, is that even if Deco kind of catches himself up, right, has the meetings he has to and gets to where he needs to be without any help, that means that he never got to the finish line as to where or all of the things that Cruyff and Alemany could have done with that same amount of time. Because now you're talking about unless he has already the ducks in a row with his, with his agency and, and had things perfectly aligned to sell because again, Rafinha is a former client, to sell Rafinha for, to Newcastle at 80 million. And actually, I want to throw this out here too. This Rafinha for 80 mil to Newcastle thing, I think perfectly aligns with the idea of Deco arriving, just because that's his final deal. Like let's say on the, the, it's all prepared, it's all signed for the first day of the transfer window. And on huge wages, there goes Rafinha with a huge agent bonus. And then stepping out of his agency and distancing himself from his agency is Deco. So Deco makes a huge commission on Rafinha getting sold to Newcastle, and that 80 million in profit is equal to the amount that Barcelona has to get to after the other 120 million came off the books to get them in theory back to the 1v1 fair play. So there's just there's so much that makes sense with that. And I'm just, you know, just to throw that conspiracy out there. It's a it's a light one, an easy one, but it seems like if Deco is becoming the sporting director and Rafinha is going to 80 million for 80 million to Newcastle, it seems to solve literally everybody's problems and, and, and allows Rafinha to be a starter. With the exception of, yes, but, it does not solve the problem for Barcelona that they lose that depth on the wing. But where does this $120 million come from? And you're not the first person to, to talk about that number. Yeah. But I've, well, never, okay, so, I've, I've, yeah. I've never seen it like fully explained or confirmed. Yeah. So I will say, did a little of the math on last week's Thursday show. I don't want to rehash it for everyone who was listening to that. But as I said, it's not in theory 80 million. I mean, 120 million because... As we said, it is if it's PK and it's Busquets, his salary, as well as the Griezmann sale, as well as what was it? The other, uh, not Coutinho, but whoever it was. Anyway, it was all those salaries and numbers coming out the books. But as I said, Araujo, Gabi, Balde, all the extensions that are being signed, 
and Busquets would have to be re-added to that number. So it's not actually 120. It would be Barcelona, again, would start at a negative 30 or whatever it is because they have to do those renewals. So that's how I explained it last week. And that's how I, that's how I'll explain it again. But again, the, the 120 is coming again from the salaries that were owed to PK. And, and again, Busquets' deal is coming off the books. That, that's assuming that PK and uh, Busquets, uh, not PK and Busquets, PK and Griezmann coming off the books have not already been taken into account the last uh, transfer window. I don't think... I, I don't they can think only come is. off the books once. Right. I don't think they came off in January because then Barcelona likely would have been able to spend in January. That was the whole problem, that PK's was a full-year deal. And by, no. by ending his contract the way he did, it wouldn't, he no. wouldn't come off until May. No, the problem in January, from what I understand, was that we missed out on the Champions League money. So that, that messed up the whole uh, the whole percentage and, and, and balance of uh, income versus cost. But I've heard both things. Like I hear people yeah. say that Guizan and Piquet still uh, still need to come off the books. And I've also heard people say the opposite, uh, yeah. that no, that I mean, has already happened. Makes sense and that, that, does, not, and that does not help us. Mathematically, it makes sense if they, that they haven't. Yeah, yeah, who knows? All right, let's keep moving on. Chad says, should the club be focused on bringing in an out-and-out striker so that he can grow and learn under the mentorship of Lewandowski? And I think Chad is more in particular talking about all those rumors for Vita Roca are real. I mean, obviously, he's talk- he wants to come to the club. The club wants him. But $40 million is a bit too pricey for what they're going to be able to spend. But this could be certainly one of those examples where the club basically promises to pay that number and or they pay part of it in installments and they eventually bring him a year down the road. So it's not really learn under Lewandowski. More it is that you try to set up your successor um, a year out. I mean, if we were financially healthy, then yeah, awesome. If you're, if you're not, well, you know. Yeah, well, yes, he said should you focus on. And I, I can't imagine the club should prioritize a backup striker role for next season. I just like, there's three or four other positions that need to be reinforced, reinforced before that. Yeah, I mean, um, we probably need need a midfielder first, a uh, defensive midfielder, especially if Busquets leaves. Yep. A uh, good argument is going to be, uh, could be made that if Koundé is going to start at right back next season, that by Halloween, Koundé will have taken an axe to to Xavi's neck. So we quite possibly need a right back just to just to keep our coach safe. Victor Roque, I've just seen YouTube compilations like anybody else. So it kind of, it kind of reminds me of Luis Suarez. I'm not the first person to say this, but you don't you don't know how that's going to play out. So no, that could be I, I... That, that that could be a 40 million steal or it could be a complete waste of money. Yeah, I mean, I've watched him in three full matches now, and I agree with that assessment that he has an ability to, I mean, he's really, really good on the ball, has the ability to kind of drop in, link in different positions. He is physically strong, very wide for his age even, really good sense to how to create space, yes. But for anyone expecting that he's going to have this goal-scoring touch, that's going to take time. And I don't even know if that's the player that Barcelona are getting right away. Like they are getting a player who, as a center forward, creates space and can improve. I mean, I think he's the kind of player that would improve the goal scoring numbers for the likes of a Ferran Torres or an Ansu Fati. He just he links really, really well through the middle, and he's a much different profile than Lewandowski. As you said, he is much more Luis Suarez than than Lewandowski. But again, remember, Luis Suarez is like somewhere behind my head here because Luis Suarez is also the third leading goal scorer in Barcelona history. <laughs> like, like, so we always have to temper our expectations to goal scoring numbers for 20-year-old Brazilian players. Like, it doesn't happen. So he's going to need at least two or three years 
to even find his scoring boots. Like the fact that Twitter is celebrating every goal he scores means that he's not scoring that many goals <laughs> because, you know, if there's a, if there's a party every time he scores one goal, you know, like it's not like he's in a Brazilian league absolutely lighting it up, but he's a really good foundational player with a lot of things to grow. And I think he would be a really good fit in Xavi's pressing system. I also think he has very high potential in, in Xavi's, again, the system to press with what he asked the center forward to do in link up play and press. So th- that would be my, 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 what I've seen from, again, watching three full matches of Victor Vida Roca. And he already got called up for the Brazilian national team, right? Or is that the, sh- the youth team? Well, he, well, no, he started in the U20 World Cup. Okay, or he the, didn't get a no, senior call-up. No, the, the, the Commonwealth. Sorry, he started in the U20 Commonwealth where he was he had like six goals to lead mm. the team and he was fantastic in that tournament. Yeah, so okay. I think he's on, he's on the peripheral of the Brazilian full team or he, maybe he got an extended roster spot somewhere in like a training camp. That's possible too, but yeah. Yeah, I mean... If we sign him, rock on, and hopefully everything everything will turn out well. There's this other kid, like the the 15 year old. What's his name? Uh, uh, Endrick, Kendrick. So yeah, Endrick, the 16 year old who's already Endrick. going to Real Madrid. Uh, for, I'm thinking yeah. of the rapper. No, it's yeah. it's Endrick. Yes, Endrick uh, is yeah. going to Real Madrid for 700 million euros or something like that. Um, Wait, what? No, he's uh, was it six? I think it was 60. He already signed for <laughs> okay. Madrid for 70 million. Uh, for 60 yeah, I thought it was like right. 50 or 60 or something. And yeah. apparently he stopped scoring ever yep. since he signed. Because he's 16 years old, or he just turned 16. 16. He was 15 and he was 16. Like, what do you want to happen? Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Okay, so Abbas asked, speaking of teenagers, by the way, I have a question. From the time you've been following Gabi, has he ever convinced you he can be more of an interior midfielder, a ball carrier, a dribbler, a playmaker, or a goal scorer, more than mostly defensive, and a playbreaker? And I'll start here with the boring stuff and then let you take it from here. So I would say if you see Gabi as an attacking midfielder, I mean, sorry, not as an attacking midfielder, more as this versatile, good at a lot of things, the worker that you know he is. Then you understand what he already is and where he may be able to improve upon as well. So what he does is, statistically, he wins a lot of second balls, which, again, it's hard to track those numbers. And it's, it's, it's a weird stat that doesn't numerically play out well. But he wins so many second balls. And again, that means possession for you. And not just wasted possession, but that means getting possession back in advantageous positions. And then is it inside forward? He's in the top 25 percentile of tackles, interceptions, blocks, clearances, aerial duels won, plus most passing metrics. And for more defensive-minded midfielders, not defensive midfielders, but defensive-minded midfielders, he finds himself completing passing uh, passes into the opposition's box and getting more touches in the opponent's box than 89% of other midfielders. So if you think of him more as a Marcos Llorente type, as an inside forward, or you think of him like Anguise, or Zambo Anguise at Napoli and what he's done for Napoli this season it makes more sense to what he contributes because Barcelona is able to be one of, what is it, a top eight pressing side in all of Europe because of a player like Gabi. Like Gabi does that at an elite level already. And as he continues to refine parts of his game, because again, he is a young player. So as he continues to, he's already putting himself in the right positions, but as he continues to get the final ball and things like that, then, and, and also open up his goal scoring. Like think about Pedri last year to this year. What's the difference? He scored a, a bunch more goals. Well, I mean, while he was healthy, <laughs> but Pedri's like added that touch, a little bit of goal scoring to his touch. And those things can improve for young players. So, I mean, as far as what Xavi is and what I convinced that he can be, I, I think he already has, again, the foundation to be an, an elite player in Xavi's system. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't want to throw him into some other system, but he's elite in Xavi's system. That's why he's up as a teenager. And, you know, I think, again, there's certainly room to improve, but I, I just want to make sure we're categorizing him the right way. Yep. Nothing to add. 
Cool. Yeah, uh, thanks. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on his head. Exactly. Well, I'll give you the one uh, about Balde then. Xavier asks, what makes Alba's final ball delivery so good, and how does Balde improve? What does it take to master the cross or something like that? Can't just be accuracy. Talent. <laughs> you know, you talk, you're talking about Jordi Alba. He's one of the best attacking fullbacks. 21st century. In the 21st century, yeah, definitely. Um, what makes Alba so so incredibly good is, how, however, is not just his passing. It it's just the, the timing of his runs, and it it looks so incredibly easy, and it's insane, you know, because Balde has better stamina, and Balde is faster, and like exactly like Jordi Alba, they have two eyes in the front of their their head. And they have a neck, and they can turn around their neck, see what is happening around them. However, Alba uses his eyes and his neck to know exactly when he needs to start running so that the midfielders or attackers can play him a through ball from where he can then assist. And he'll come on, and he'll do it like three, four times a game. It's, it's just amazing. And we've been taking it for granted all this time. Because I and think it was on the end of it. Because like I like imagine all those years that Alba was delivering those balls to Luis Suarez and to Messi, and it was the same pass to Messi over and over and over again. And yeah, I mean Messi is crazy. And, 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 just, goals, but... and not just that, it was usually Messi passing him the ball. So everybody was always giving all of the credit to Messi. They were ignoring that it, Alba did the same for Spain. It's the run that dictates the pass. And I, I think it was the last game where uh, against Osasuna when Alba, Alba came on for the last 20, 20 minutes. And in those 20 minutes, run after run after run, which was just perfectly timed. And that's just the beauty of football. Yeah. That, that, that people don't, don't pick up on, that people don't give, give credit to uh, where, where credit is due. And the, the, the first thing that, the, the first thing that Balde can improve if he can ever improve it, it's not his passing technique, but it's just knowing when to do what. And, and again, I think that comes with reps. I mean, I think the player that Jordi Alba was at Valencia to the player that he became at Barcelona is different. He did raise his level. He did get better. He did improve. Again, in playing in high-profile games, playing for Spain, playing in games that matter with players that matter, that make you better, all of those things are very helpful. So as his team... And Balde, to, to reiterate something I, again, I've said for years now, I was always worried about Balde, and, but I also questioned whether or not once his teammates got better, that he wouldn't get better. And that's exactly what happened with Balde. The second he moved to the first team, and then he's surrounded by those top-level talents. And that's why like every time with the Copa del Rey, when it's like a, you just want full Barca Athletic or U19 kids, it can't work that way. I always want to see what happens when you take the two or three top most promising Barca Athletic or U19s and you put them alongside Frankie and Pedri and Lewandowski and Araujo. And then you put Chadi Riyad next to Araujo. So can those top-level elite players improve everybody else? Because again, if you put, again, that same Chadi Riyad next to Eric Garcia, you might not be able to see what Chadi Riyad might be capable of in the first team the way that putting him next to Araujo might do. So that's always my thing with young players. And again, Baldi's going to improve his reps. There's another thing about Baldi that people don't give him credit for. And that this kid, he competes. Mm -hmm. And he competes hard. Oh, well, that's why he starts. Yeah, that's he, why he, that's, that's why he yeah, starts. He and starts that's that's something that Jordi Alba. That's something that Jordi Alba misses, right? The famous uh, games that he play at Anfield, where Jordi Alba is crying in in the dressing room. No, no, no. But 
Balde he comes in and he competes and he fights for he fights for every ball and he runs his off uh, to to recover on defense. Even on training, I remember at the beginning of the season, Dembélé said that Balde is un pesado. How would I trans? How would I translate that? Like when you play, when you're training against somebody, and that person just trains trains so hard that it's annoying because he won't let you do anything. That's how hard he's he, he's playing against you in practice. Balde competes hard, and that is something that Barcelona have been have been missing, and that's. One of the main things that he has brought to this team. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and uh, that's why, to, to me, not only is he untouchable, but as I've spent years complaining about the young fullback market, the fact that Barcelona has one of them is just an incredible yeah. stroke of luck <laughs> to a point. Um, uh, okay, exactly. last question here from Tarab, and then the rest of the question that I did not get to answer, we I will likely push off and answer those later in the week because again, we will need stuff to talk about before Espanol on Sunday. So Tarab asks, leaving results and finances aside, how tactically astute do you consider Xavi as a manager? Like purely based on tactics, would he be in the top 10 managers in the world? Wow. It's so hard to say because when, when a manager comes to a club like Barcelona, everything is magnified. And this club is so, so self-destructive where when things go against us, it's everybody's fault. There's, there's one thing being tactically astute. But then the players need to be tactically astute also in order to, to implement all of those ideas fully, right? I have no question that Xavi's football IQ is off the charts. Does that mean that, you know, every decision he makes is the right one? No. But, you know, Guardiola, would you say Guardiola is tactically astute? Guardiola has made some pretty inexplicable decisions in his coaching well, yeah. career, in, in, yeah. in, in high-profile games, right? Champions League Guardiola Galaxy branding it is is become more than a meme. It, it exists. Like he might do it against Real Madrid. Like we know that he's he's going to he potentially might make a mistake against Real Madrid. Like people are worried about that for because of a yeah because of the track record. Yeah, so it's hard, man. Like I, I mean, I think it's like one, one, one of the one of the top ten managers. Like in in, in terms of tactics, how do I measure this? Well I, well, I can tell you that it, not only is it impossible to do that, but it's even, I think, even more unnecessary in 2023 because a top three tactical manager, if you asked three months ago, was Julian Nagelsmann. Julian Nagelsmann sitting at home right now. Is he, so are you telling me one of the top three to top five like most tactically astute managers in world football doesn't have a job because they mm-hmm. couldn't get results? And the same thing right, with Tuchel. Because, because Tuchel Bayern, like Barcelona, is, is just a different... A different beast. Yeah. I mean, same thing. Yeah. Again, Tuchel, Tuchel was sitting at home for a while, got the Bayern Munich job, and they're like, so if he had won the same games that he lost, people would say, Tuchel, of course he's top three. Champions League winner, has all these great ideas, but because he lost those same games at Bayern Munich, then it doesn't put him on the list. So, yeah, I mean, it's the same with like even the Napoli manager right now. If you moved Luciano Spalletti from Napoli somewhere else with a different team where the, the players profile differently, is he the same manager? Does he have the same success? And if he doesn't have success, is he still a top five, top 10, tactically astute manager? What I think Xavi is that I will give him credit for, though, why I would say that you can have this conversation with him in it is because I would consider him at a high profile club, which I think is, I, I, unfortunately, I think we see it as a prerequisite of being a top manager. He's at a big club, if you will. So his results and his decisions are amplified and put on blast 100 times over. But I think... What, it, what makes him tactically astute that I would say is that when he makes mistakes, I can question and say, 
is that like why would he do that? Like, and and you think about it, and it's not just some kind of random thing. It's that you kind of always have an idea of what Xavi was trying to do, whether or not it works. And so I think what Xavi does have is concrete ideas. And I think what people want from their managers a lot of the time to consider them tactically astute is a manager that comes in and says, okay, this is the style of play I want to institute. These are the kind of players that I'm comfortable with. And I want my ideas to be represented on the field. And it's not just about the vibes. It's not just about the results because that's why people would never say Sam um, Daish, who just got the job again, the, the, the big guy, not, not Steve Bruce, the other one, uh, big oh. Sam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. So yeah. it's like, did anyone ever call Big Sam a tactically astute manager? No, no. But he's good at going into those locker rooms and saying, "Hey, y'all want to be eating, you know, grits for the next year in the in the championship? No, go out there, smack some guys around, kick the ball in the net, and let's win some games." And so that's what he does, and that's not. I, uh, think- I heard that lately he's been, he's been going into dressing rooms telling his players that he knows as much about football as Pep Guardiola. <laughs> Something I heard. You gotta do that. But so, like, and I and I know, like, the Amazon Prime video. I mean, a documentary series and other things. Like, open it up and say, "Well, Xavi's doing these things emotionally to motivate players," and all top managers do that. Pep Guardiola is tactically astute, but he's also an emotional lunatic who who pushes players to their emotional breaking points over and over and over again, right? And that's why some of them just don't make it. And I think Xavi is like that. So that would be my argument for why Xavi is like a top ten guy because I just think he has. He has practical ideas that make sense. You understand what he's tactically trying to do, and he's trying to put it all together to get proper results. One thing that I like about Pep Guardiola is he he, he surrounds himself by, with with very intelligent assistants, assistant coaches. The assistant coaches that he's had over the years are very impressive, from uh, Juan Malillo, Estuarte, to Tito Villanova, to Arteta. He, he's had some very bright mm-hmm. assistants. And uh, one thing that has always worried me about Xavi is that he has his big brother as his assistant. Then again, apparently it's his big brother who organizes uh, and coaches the defense. And that's the only part that where we're not suffering. So maybe yeah. Xavi should so maybe Xavi should be Oscar and not his assistant and not the other way around, who knows? Yep, <laughs> but, um, I, I think another thing that is uh, really good about Xavi is just the amount of credit that he has uh, at the club, the amount of respect that he has from from the whole entorno, and the the way that he he handles that that pressure, always positive towards players. So this is a huge plus because this club can eat you alive. We've we've seen it happen. Yeah, I mean, it's important to believe it just happened with the sporting director last week. <laughs> it just happened with the sporting director. So. All right. Uh, well, hopefully, again, you and I have been around the block with Barcelona for a while, so it has yet to eat us alive, which is a, which is a positive, and I think that's a place to leave it. So, Levon, thank you again. If your listener question was not answered, I will most likely have these bleed over to the second show this week, unless there's big news that we have to talk about, but I'll answer those questions later on. A lot of Barca Athletic stuff, a lot of you know youth stuff that, uh, that, I'll, that I'll be answering there. So anyway, follow him on Twitter, follow us on Twitter, at the Barcelona Pod. He's at Barcelona down in the show notes below. Patreon, Facebook group, close Facebook group. And I actually want to mention Patreons real quick. There were some new Patreons in the last few weeks. I really appreciate you. As I kind of made mention to, things always fluctuate when it comes to YouTube revenue, when it comes to podcast revenue. Different things change based on listener base or whatever. And that Patreon stuff, to, to know that is guaranteed, you know, by and large every month, helps me to know how much I can dedicate to doing the shows, how much time it takes to do these shows. 
and all those different X's and O's as far as when I budget and things like that. So to the new patrons, thank you so much again for being a part of that. And again, I always appreciate everybody doing that and helping me out on the back end. And again, that also gives me again, the potential and ability to put in more time to try to create more revenue in places like YouTube and the like, which I do have some things cooking. People ask for the history stuff and I've got, I've got two things cooking. Because with Barca TV, who knows if those archives will be around. So I've been, I've been watching. I've been intently watching all those Barca TV documentaries and things like that, taking all my notes. And, uh, and I'm going to repackage all that stuff for History of the Club stuff. So that is what you can look forward to in the next few weeks as the season winds down and comes to an end. But first, Barca have a Liga trophy to win. So thanks so much for listening to the show. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Barca Barca. Barca Barca.